0: Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wound (laughs) Pickups. Tony (laughs) Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. We are super happy to have you with us listening to our show, the Guitar Knobs Podcast. Hello. Yes. Welcome, one and all, wherever you are listening, wherever you're listening to in the world. We are super happy that you are listening. And digging what we're doing, hopefully. <laughs> hey, we have somebody super special on the line. That's you. That's you. Oh, that's me. You did uh, it. Hey, everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean now. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, John Snyder from Electronic Audio Experiments coming in from Boston. Yes.
0: Excellent. We are super excited. And what do you do for all those who may not know y- your, your full name, your full legal
1: name? Uh, <laughs> I make... Uh, guitar pedals and that's mostly it cool and he Just also pedals. sounds exactly
0: like the bigger of the two johns in the they might be giants which is really uncanny who knew <laughs> um so yes we're going to get all up into john's business about his his uh, guitar pedal making he makes some mighty fine pedals and uh, i'm sure that you all have seen at least one or two of them out there on the internet's they are very exciting. <laughs> as soon as if you have to say it's exciting, does that mean it's not exciting? It, these are. These pedals are they're good.
1: Yeah, they're good. They're compensating.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, they're the I, I'm not I can go down a metaphor list. Anyways. So uh dudes, let's take care of a a few things real quick. Hey, I just want to give a massive shout out to Rode Microphones for supplying our studio recording microphone equipment. Um, Procasters. Yes. The Procaster microphones and articulated arms. Pretty cool stuff. We are greatly appreciative of their help and their willingness to lend a hand for our podcast. Also for the things on our heads right now, the Grado headphones. These things are top notch. We really, really love them. They are handmade by a very small family in a very small building and a very small town called Brooklyn. Thank you, small family. New York.
2: Isn't that the third largest city in the United States? Brooklyn by
0: itself? Brooklyn. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. I, I thought it was. Well, it just seems small. They make great, great oats. You think Brooklyn is small? They're great. Well, compared to Los Angeles, yes. Uh, <laughs> sheesh. They're prestige. Yes. Anyways, um, this is the prestige line, the, uh, the 180E, I believe. And uh, these things sound fantastic. And... It's just nice to be able to buy something from someone that you know actually made it with their bare hands and it's got some got some history. They've been around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Check them out if you can. Uh, GradoLabs, I believe, .com. Gredo Labs. I think that, that kind of does it for the business. Oh, no. I'm going to just give a little quick shout. People, 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 on our Patreon, we're not going to go deep into Patreon right now, but as you're listening, be thinking of how cool a little uh, guitar knob's orange... Barefoot button would look on your pedal. They are so you um, can see it available now for our five dollar tier and up line. So, uh, check that out. Go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs, they're awesome, and you can see what we're talking about. Uh, Tony, what'd you do in your guitar world this week? This
2: week, kind of a fun project. This was for our good buddy Zach, Mm -hmm. also known as Jared's assistant. He turns 21 tomorrow. (laughs) Happy
0: birthday, Zach. Uh, do you get to adopt him now, or is I that would, what you're doing? I would like to. Yeah, I know that's super weird. Okay, he's a
3: great kid. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: not. He's an adult. <laughs> he's an adult, <laughs> but he's a kid to me. I. But he's still an adult. That's well, that's the weird part. Whatever. Okay. Well, anyhow, so uh, anyways, uh, so <laughs> the story goes back in
2: 1959, there was an ES-175 that was made. Yeah, and uh, Zach purchased the husk meaning it was had its pickups out and bridge and basically it was just the neck and the body mm-hmm. and i believe he said that the body had been refinned at some
3: point yeah there. the body was refinned in the 70s with
0: uh like a polyfin yeah let's so just no, be clear a, refin is a refinish okay so that means they strip all the paint shellac Goo, the old stuff, and the old stuff. wallpaper, wallpaper Lacker, yeah, the wallpaper yeah. comes off. Yeah, okay, and then there's you're a, down to bare wood.
2: Yeah, sometimes the carpet's there too. Cool. Um,
0: and then they put new
3: stuff over the top of it.
2: Great. But anyhow, the the guitar itself is beautiful. But it, uh, I think, Jared, you did some pickups for it. Yeah, and
3: he he did. Well, actually, he put them together. No, oh,
2: that's even so, better. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, they came to me and said, "Hey, we need a pick guard for this." And it it kind of lent- <laughs> It made me think about things that people should and should not do when it comes to uh, trying to mount their own pickups or pick guards, excuse me, on uh, (laughs) especially on arch top guitars. Now, this one um, being from the late 50s, it has a uh, instead of a screw that goes into the top of the guitar, it has a pin that goes into the side of the neck. And it makes it a lot more difficult for someone who's not familiar with you know, working with, with that type of mounting to remount a guard that I make or anyone else makes. Um, so it's a good idea if you have something that you're not super familiar with. Uh, if you have a, a local repair shop or luthier or whatever, let them do the work because I, you know, I, I put this on for uh, for Zach and it does. There, there's a little skill involved with with remounting these things. In fact, we did something a little bit different with this one, but uh, it's made for a stronger mount. And yeah. uh, but it's not something that just everybody can do.
3: I mean, he's going to be playing the thing probably every day. Yeah. I mean, this, this guy plays all the time.
2: Yeah, so it's, um, but I, yeah, I was real happy with how it came out. It, it's a nice, solid mount, so we're in good shape there. So that was, you know, in addition to all the other fun projects that I have that people send my way, that was one that was uh, for a local guy.
3: As far as the way this thing plays, too, I, I want to add, it reminds me a lot of my uh, 1969 Gibson Dove. Just the way the neck profile is and it's just it's so easy to play it's so easy to pick on and uh this this neck is fantastic i just i love this
0: guitar excellent how about uh how about we get john involved at this point
1: yeah um it's funny we're on the tack of uh old gibsons because uh a couple weeks ago i picked up a uh a 91 les paul studio um which those are my personal favorite gibsons because uh you know you get all the sustain of like a really really old one um because it was before they started doing the weight relief and all that Mm -hmm. but it's just a it's just a good player grade guitar um the uh the one i had had been sitting in a basement for like 15 years and uh so i had to have my guy go through it and um there was we had a bit of a scare because the um the truss rod wasn't quite pulling enough and he ended up having there was he was like i might have to refret this and um after some time he realized that he could extend the range of the truss rod by sticking a couple washers under the nut under the uh, at the top and uh that that did the trick and now it plays like a dream which is cool because that thing had really been uh, mistreated for a while so is this one of the flat top uh, studios um no, it is it's it is a carved top oh it um, is a carved top okay yeah is yeah. it wine and red uh, with gold hardware no it's black with gold hardware nice. i did i wine red was the one i was i really wanted a wine red um yeah, with the uh, with gold hardware but uh, you know i just i'd been i'd put up a google alert and i was i was on the hunt because i i'm kind of afraid the prices are going to start to go up with uh you know gibson may or may not be going down the tubes uh you know i figured now was the time to do it so i'm oh, cool. uh, glad i did never owned a gibson before weirdly enough always had been a fender guy
2: yeah, they're 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 different creatures. I mean, just the scale length alone is enough to throw you. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But but
2: yeah, they're I've, you know, I've had both and uh I jump back and forth and one of the tricks that I do is uh like on my Fender scale length, one's I'll put, you know, like uh 10 to 46s, but if I throw like an 11 to 48 on a on a Gibson scale length, uh mm-hmm. it feels about the same, so you might try that.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, it's like with with string gauges, like I, you know, I'd always come from playing jazz masters, which they're just happier if you put 12s or 13s on them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then my other main guitar is a Travis Bean and that thing you could put bridge cables on it and the neck would stay straight. So, uh, you know, it's just it's um, at this point, I've I've just had to completely embrace whatever a guitar wants to do and just uh, live with it. Because if I try to get them to feel consistent, I'll lose my mind. So on the, on the Travis bean, do
2: you have a, a solid, um, uh, aluminum neck or the wood inserts?
1: Um, that's, that's a solid one. In fact, you, you'd said that, that, uh, Gibson earlier was a, was a husk. This one was like a similar deal. Uh, uh-huh. there's this, there's this guy, I'm not going to name names, but people who collect Travis beans and electro pedals know who he is. Um, he, this guy is just a hoarder. He's a crazy dude who lives in LA and hoards Travis beans and vintage EHX <laughs> pedals And uh, he's part of the reason why all that stuff is so expensive, because this he was lecturing me on the phone about how he's like, oh, I owned one hundred and fifteen Travis Beans, which is like fifteen million dollars in guitars. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, but this he had cannibalized the pickups from this one and listed it on eBay. Um, And so they had no pickups, um, no tuners. It was just, uh, you know, the bridge had been like half the saddles were non-original um, so I had bought that guitar for a song and then sent it down to uh, electrical guitar co to get it refurbished. And Kevin did an incredible job um, because uh, you know, like he even wound the pickups. They, they, they stamped out the pickups on the same hardware that they use uh, for the the vintage ones. Um, and he's got all the, you know, the drawings and the patents and stuff. And he owns the rights to them now with oh. uh, Travis beans widow. So they were able to do everything to the original spec. And it's, you know, it's still, I would call it like player grade vintage, even though, it's a you know real iconic instrument from from the seventies. So That's the way to go. Yeah, definitely. Best of both worlds, right? Because like I don't feel like it's uh, this like priceless relic that I can't play. Right. But it's done right. It's done the definitely. absolute
3: rightest way it could have been done.
1: Absolutely. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's a good. It's good stuff. So you know, I'm sort of like fleshing out the assortment. I, I didn't have a normal humbucker guitar, so I was like, oh, this Les Paul will do the trick, and I, I'm loving it.
3: You know the only thing that if you were going to change anything on that or or maybe you would have to would just be the pots them, themselves. They make really good pickup. Gibson makes good pickups. The pots mm-hmm. I think would be something that I I would replace down the road.
1: Oh yeah, they were they were shot. Um okay, they, so you they already did. totally. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much the whole thing. All the electronics got replaced. The pots were so corroded. The the tone pot for the neck didn't even turn. Mm-hmm. It was uh it was in real bad shape. Nice. So yeah well cool so uh what
0: about you todd yeah back back to me sorry um, yeah no no no, <laughs> no <laughs> the guests never say sorry we do we don't operate like that love
2: means you never have to say <laughs> yes
0: sorry. i'm uh, blushing <laughs> so i well let's see me well we went out to uh the guitar show uh out in indiana mm-hmm. and um i think we're gonna probably be talking about that one for a little while i think we all got some really neato stuff um one of the things that i got speaking of neato stuff was the greer moonshot pedal uh which is a class a germanium treble and mid pre it's a range master (laughs) yes it's basically a range master yes um but it's one of the i think for whatever reason tonally it's one of the ones that i kind of locked really locked into um i was at least intrigued by it so i wanted to uh check it out so i made a uh made a good trade and um uh so yeah i'm excited to to play with that i i plug i've only been able to plug it in for like just a blip because i've been super busy but i'm um, excited to to play with that and we were talking before the show about you know uh i'm looking down at my board and i'm like hmm where does this go <laughs> um, you know, cause I got a bunch, couple of fuzzes and overdrives and rats and boosters and stuff. And so it was just uh, interesting to, th- to, you know, I mean, obviously I can sit there and play with it. It would be, it's a lot easier to know, to have a better idea of it before you start unplugging everything and getting into that whole mess. Cause that's like an hour long rabbit hole. But, uh, John, you had, you had some thoughts on that
1: yeah the um i i really love uh range masters um like that's you know that like early, like transistor boosters were the thing that i like first got into and i was building pedals um and the beauty of the range master is that it uh is it's a team player like it's only a team player on its own you kick it on you're like oh well uh i'm louder but i also sound anemic as hell mm-hmm. um so it's you know, you can, you can, uh, but if you use that to goose the front end of something else, like a real dark tube amp, um, or even like a fuzz pedal or something, uh, you, it all of a sudden will just push out the the mids and the presence of whatever you're going into. And it tightens up your guitar tone. Uh, it gives you more sustain. It gives you, uh, you know, just higher gain and cut through the mix. It's just, it does more of everything that you want. And less of everything you don't want. Right. Um, so if you, you know, like even if you, you can use it with uh, the dark pedal. It sounds good even in front of a rat, it'll sound good. In front of a big muff, in front of, if you have a real dark overdrive, like I like it in front of a zvex box of rock. I think those sound better when set dark, but then you don't cut through the mix as well. So if you hit it with a range master, you balance it back out. Right. Uh, there's a million examples. Um, or like an old orange too, you get it to sound really dark and woolly, and then you use a range master in front, and all of a sudden you're just, rock god territory it's uh it's a perfect thing but on its own if you're playing a range master into a clean amp it sounds really bad yes it does (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's just not what they
0: were made for yeah um Um, i i actually had it at the uh, end of my chain and mm -hmm. um because again that was the easiest place to (laughs) to plug it in real quick um totally typically i have a um I've got a Boss Equalizer with just the mids just kind of bumped up just like about a notch. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, so I said, oh, I'm just going to unplug that and throw it in. And uh, and then I said, this feels like it's going to take a while to <laughs> dial in. I better yeah. not do this right now. Well,
1: I think, you know, it's the sort of this idea of uh, pre-EQ versus post-EQ. Mm -hmm. there's a lot of you know a lot of pedals that have a treble and bass control the bass control is at the front of the circuit and the treble control is at the output so you can tighten up your guitar and then kill off the ugly harmonics that you don't want Mm. um like that's that's why the timmy is so nice that's why like uh, a roots modded rat is so nice um any like four knob rat usually will have like a sweep knob or a Uh, they'll call it roots or focus. I've seen a million names for it, but it's all the same idea Mm -hmm. is if you're tightening up the low end into the front of something, then it just sounds better. Most of the time, Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you go the other way and you boost the low end, you can turn anything into a fuzz. So I actually really like running. I like really like running EQs at the front of my chain because uh, for the same reason that people like to stick a tube screamer in front of a, like a six, five Oh five, you can stick a, a EQ that's, that's got a low cut and a mid boost or a range master Um, which is going to do the same thing, but with that germanium flavor and sizzle. um, And it just brings the life out of stuff. It's so nice.
0: Yes. Now you got me all
1: excited. I want to check this out. (laughs) This is why I love uh, dinner. Gee whiz. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm really, it turns out I'm really excited about range masters. Yeah.
0: Who knew, right? Um, But it, it is one of those things that I think there's just a handful of pieces of gear specifically. It seems pedals because they are the, they're the one additive. They're the tincture uh, Mm -hmm. that we, that we put into uh, our, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So for everybody that doesn't know what tincture is, that's the little drops that the mustachioed man behind the bar is putting into your very overpriced drink. Um, Anyways, Uh, they, uh, I thought that was a roofie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Um, so, uh, yeah, the range master, I think is one of those things where it it's, it's probably one of those pedals. A lot of people buy and either don't know how to use it right or give up trying. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's a shame because I, it, in the right hand is like. It's the reason that when that most people go out and buy that because they hear somebody do it right, and then Mm -hmm. they can't figure out how to do it right.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like that was the whole. I mean, even like Tony Iommi, it was uh, if you've got a guitar that's really dark and you tune it down, and then you're running into a a British amp and you set that kind of dark, you have nowhere to go but to boost the front end with mids or Mm -hmm. Brian May. You know, like uh, using the normal channel of a Vox, it's kind of muddy. uh, With a Range Master, you're all of a sudden uh, you're chiming away. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. I'm excited. You got uh, this is good. This is good. I feel good about this. So,
0: unlock its potential. Yeah, for sure.
2: Maybe you'll go back to Vox Amps.
0: Nope. 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 I won't. <laughs> uh anyways. Um it, it is it is interesting though, because the 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 fight for the front position is real. Mm-hmm. Um you know, between a really, really, really good fuzz, which I've got a couple of them which I'm just absolutely bongo thrilled about. And so, uh, you know, you don't I'm gonna be curious to see how this works with it. All right. What why are you pointing at Jared? What about to, me? He ab- didn't
2: get to say anything. I didn't about even this
0: give week. a turn. Yo. Well, we got used to you not being here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, uh this week I got me a new petal. We uh
0: went to the indianapolis guitar show and yes jared we've been through all of that already <laughs> my gosh can you speed this train up i got a pedal <laughs> that's it what'd you get i got a mutron yes
3: Ooh, it's a uh phaser two and at first todd todd told me hey man there's an old mutron back there i think you should go check it out and i'm like eh, it's probably a newer pedal and he's because he said it was like for 300 bucks i was like, Eh that's one of those new ones.
0: And, because uh, right across from us was a guy who had the full blown right. like, console version the with buy the, phase. like the whole yeah. Yeah, he had a whole bunch oh. of that stuff. Yeah, Be still my heart. Yeah, well it was $1500 so be still your heart. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I
3: I went back to deal with the guy and talked him down to to 230.
0: So I got yeah. this you, you you made it good. Yeah, it. wow. uh, and it's uh it's in really right? good shape too. It's not it's not all you know janked up. Right. Yeah, those those finishes peel
1: off like crazy. They're it's like old EHX pedals, they're just not durable at all. Yep.
0: It's
3: clean and it it works great. I I love this pedal because um, you can turn the rate down. It's you one can of turn the best everything down ever so you could actually, you know, not have a swirly phase and you know have barely have it on and i i love the tone that it it uh it produces when you do that yeah. i just love the thing yeah it was a that why was don't a, you that was marry it.
0: i will all right um hey look out one
1: two one two three four on the floor okay hit us here we go so the first one the Klon ktr uh in short it's a classic for a reason um You know, the uh, it just like I didn't really get it until um, I started playing high powered tube amps where I could not, uh, you know, get them to drive hard enough on their own. Um, One of my go to amps has always been an Ampeg V4. It's big. It's loud. It's kind of dark sounding and it's it's clean. It's so clean. And uh, if you don't want to get booed out of a club for people's eardrums bleeding, then, you know, like people make fun of them now. But the, the whole transparent overdrive thing is that's what that's what it's for. Um, and it turns out that was the same thing that Bill Finnegan went through when he was designing the, the original Centaur. And, uh, I, I will admit there is a measure of hometown pride. Bill lives in the Boston area and, uh, is, you know, like a very interesting guy. If you ever get a chance to, to run into him, um, you know, he's just, uh, you know, a really interesting and cool person. And, uh, yeah, it just like that to me is sort of the, the baseline guitar tone. It's the, you know, uh, it's your sort of it's your palette that you can paint on. It's the no nonsense sounds good with everything sounds, you know, with every guitar, every amp, every mix uh, just does the job. And it's classy. It's iconic. And you're supporting the guy who designed it. So that just it checks all the boxes for me. Um, nice. Yeah, I love that thing. Yeah, can't go wrong. Um, on a completely different tack. Um, number two for me is going to be the small sound, big sound buzz. For all that the KTR is refined and does the job, the Buzz is an apocalyptic chainsaw, and uh, <laughs> you know it's so that one. Uh, for for those of you guys who who might not know, it's based on the Superfuzz, but it's got a lot of the mods that uh, have sort of uh, emerged over you know the years. Um, you can dial the octave scoop in and out. You can dial the uh, uh or sorry the octave in and out. You can dial the scoop in and out, and then you can adjust the clipping, the gain range. Uh, there's a voltage starve. So you can do the sort of dying battery thing, or you can do just a full on scooped out shreddy octave fuzz. And uh, it's it's just amazing. If into a loud, dirty amp, especially it just it sounds like the end of the world. It's incredible. (laughs) Um, People always say don't scoop your mids, um, but those people have not played a super fuzz. (laughs) It just is like it's just it's all like the huge bottom end and this really nasty sizzle. And then the, the intermodulation that you get, uh, you know, from an octave fuzz, like playing a bend high up on the neck, like a unison bend. And you hear the other tones that sort of come in and go in a totally different direction from where you're bending. I love, I live for that stuff. (laughs) Um, and so that's the, and, and, uh, Brian is, is also just a really, really nice guy. um, great musician great pedal designer that thing is uh a particular favorite of mine that's it's just, awesome it's just awesome that's so the that's,
0: third that's the third mention in a row of uh soup the, the the original the og super fuzz my the people oran- the orange and blue
1: yeah it's that's great yeah and if you, if you don't want to pony up for a vintage one uh the buzz is is my favorite for sure that thing just shreds cool um yeah. Let's see. So number three, I literally, I you guys don't even want to see the selection process. I had to go through this. It was brutal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number number three is the uh, the uh, Moger Foger oh, MF one hundred four M yeah. delay. Um, I got in on those before the prices went totally bonkers um, because they are. It's truly nuts. Like I, you know, I would never have gotten into this if I uh, if it was the prices that it is today um but having one it is my desert island pedal um delay is my favorite effect and that one is really just really that's what it's all yep that's what it's all about for me i just i slap delay on on everything and that one you can use it as uh you know you could you can do long delays you can do slap delays you can do crunchy lo-fi stuff you can use the lfo to get really weird or you can do a really really nice pitch vibrato and it's got, uh, you know, it's got its own onboard, uh, gain. Like you can get it to clip and it's very musical, um, plays nice with other things. It just sounds awesome. Um, and it's just, it does everything. I haven't even dug in really that far into the, like the CV control and, um, you know, the, the expression stuff. I'll occasionally use an expression for the feedback or the LFO, but, uh, even on its own, it's just, it's just perfect to me, man. It's killer. You're, I love that feeling this on the floor with the this is great i did my homework you guys got your got your blurbs to write out um like it (laughs) but yeah that that thing is a a desert island pedal for me for sure um so the last one is the caroline uh meteor um that one is another pedal that to me just never fails to inspire it's uh you know like i really like um kind of metallic guitar sounds like clangy and um you know the 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 sort of um like bitey like lots of harmonic content like so much that you start to get string noise and Mm -hmm. pick noise but it it adds to what you're doing um and the meteor is like the reverb version of that it uh you know it's just it has that really sort of rich clangy thing and then of course uh you can overdrive it which is a theme that i like with uh effects that ordinarily don't distort making them distort gracefully just adds to the whole um you know, especially with how it takes other pedals, with how it sounds into a dirty amp, um, you know, like uh, if you take the meteor and you crank that drive, and then you run it into a, into a dirty amp, um, it kind of reminds me of uh, like a Fender spring reverb unit, those old tube Fender spring reverb units. But uh, you're not limited by the spring reverb; you've got this more expansive, uh, for lack of a better word, modern-voiced, maybe plate-voiced reverb. Um, and then, of course, you have the havoc switch where you can just let it go crazy if you want. So it's uh, it does it all. It's great. And Philippe is a sweetheart. Man,
0: <laughs> that was outstanding. That's the least I've talked my entire time. <laughs> so can we go back to the first one and could you talk a little more about it? <laughs> you-, um, y- no, y- you know what? You have, uh, you've mentioned a couple things. And for, uh, I think for some listeners out there that are, you know, just maybe just getting into the pedal game or, um, you know, just don't know. Um, you talked about clipping and LFO a couple times. Would you mind just kind of elaborating on those terms?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the clipping is um, sort of, I guess, I guess uh, the electronic term for distortion. You know, if you look at up here, sine wave, it's just going up and down. It's uh, minding its own business. And if you use an electronic component, which can uh, sort of lop the top off of or bottom off of a sine wave, then the, we refer to that as clipping the waveform. And if you clip a waveform, then you get frequency products, which are different from the original. Uh, we call those harmonics. And that's why uh, people were re- refer to the harmonics of a distortion pedal, even or order harmonics. And, um, and like that sort of idea that uh, distortion is just adding more stuff onto the top of a signal. Um, in order to give it this sort of richness. And some of those harmonics are ugly, but we like that. We like that ugly sound, if you know, when used judiciously. Right. Um, if you take a signal and you add every single harmonic to it, you get a square wave, which is a fuzz flavor that is usable and people like. But it's nasty, too. It's, uh, you know, uh, so there's but there's a ton of shades in between. And you could talk about you know how hard something is clipping, how uh, smooth something is clipping, mm-hmm. um, and that's a really good way to describe different textures of distortion and fuzz and tube amps and whatever else you might have. Right,
0: and so, so that's, for, that's for that's those it. of us who are not familiar with a sine wave, it's essentially think think about like when they're showing the uh, you know the 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 little tiny readout, and there's a there's an up curve and there's a down curve and there's an up curve and there's a down curve and there's an up so. When that's nice and smooth, you have an undistorted signal. But as soon as you start seeing it do kind of more jaggedy type things, that's what we're talking about.
1: Absolutely, yeah, it's a good analog to what you're hearing. If it's a if it's a smooth uh, change to the wave, then that's a smooth sound. Um, and if it's if it's a, a harsh change to the sound the wave, then it's a harsh sound. Um, right. And you can look at it on a scope. I love oscilloscopes and showing people you know different signals like. Uh, you know, if you take a tube amp, um, and when you're done troubleshooting it, it's common for just leave it on the bench going into a dummy load at full tilt, and then you look at the output on a scope, and you can say, Oh, here's the point where it's clipping, and you can measure that waveform, and then you can say, Okay, it's putting out, you know, 60 watts uh, you know, at five percent total harmonic distortion um before it's you know, like and that's the that's the peak clean power that you get. Um right. and it's cool, cool to show that to someone who doesn't really know, like, oh, what's what's the waveform or what's uh you know guitar turned into like electri- an electrical signal actually looked like
0: right right
1: scopes are awesome
0: yes exactly cool um that was very that was, that was a, a super solid four on the floor i'm very happy right now this is, i'm very thank you thank you i feel very smooth myself right now actually okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any anxiety it's great so uh for those out there who don't know who electronic audio experiments is uh you're a you're a small smallish pedal builder out of boston making some big noise boxes um maybe arguably your most f- notable one is the model FET. is that fair to say
1: i think i think so that's probably the one that's that's kind of uh, riding the hype train right right and
0: instantly recognizable as a bare metal one of the i think one of the earlier uses of the bare metal box, by the way, I, if I recall, um, really, yeah, I, I seem to remember f- first seeing that as, oh, you know, cause everybody was doing like insane graphics and colors and sparkles and everything. And mm-hmm. yours was, uh, you know, a bare metal box. And you had the, uh, the, the first one that I see has the red knobs on it. The, the red notched knobs, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With a, the familiar Sun amp esque kind of graphic on it, and I was just like, "This is really interesting looking." And it looked like somebody who was technically minded actually put it together. Not, not um, necessarily like, "Yeah, this is rock and roll, man." You know, it was more like
1: uh, a, a different approach. It was, it was interesting. It caught my eye the very first time I saw it. For nerds by nerds, it's uh, it's, we go. we didn't want to get a cease and desist from from uh. The band named after the amplifier so uh we we use the circuit symbol for a jfet um and kind of made it into a sort of sun style logo Mm -hmm. um and uh you know that's sort of that people seem to be into that which makes me happy
0: yeah it's it's super cool uh and i think for the most part is i think it's fair to say that your pedals are pretty much riding the dirt train can we can we pretty much say that
1: <laughs> i would say that we're we're uh, i'm working on growing out of that but right now that's absolutely a case well it's funny the reason i said really
0: when you said my favorite effect is uh delay mm-hmm. because i mean we got some pretty powerful boxes of sonic destruction sitting here so that just kind of that caught me off, that caught me by surprise like when we had when we had johnny from daredevil mm-hmm. he loves fuzz Obviously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So uh, that that just that just kind of threw me off right there. But um, you were kind enough to send us four really outstanding pedals. And one of which, by the way, Tony and I both noticed this and we both gave each other the oogle eyes because on (laughs) one of these, the number is zero, zero, zero.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Might the be zero, uh, zero
0: zero 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 actually.
1: Yeah, the the that long sword that was the first uh version three that I ever built. Uh, that was very very cool. Cool. the so hang on, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm
0: reaching for it. I don't want to knock things over.
1: No, the uh, the dude incredible triple. O. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, that one is also the first one I ever well, uh, the first one I ever built that I actually could keep. <laughs> the uh, I every time I build one for myself, I'd lend it out to somebody and they wouldn't give it back. So um i'd reserved that's a good i'd reserved number zero for myself and i was like i'm gonna dang it i'm gonna keep this one (laughs) yeah and i did so that's kind of that's
0: actually really special i think that's super special like we've we've had a, a couple of those where i've i've said wow you've entrusted me with your actual either number one or proto that's really freaking cool you know thank you so i we felt honored to to you know be holding the uh the genesis by which you have gone forth, big words. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, not sorry because you can't understand. Just just that mind. Anyways, <laughs> also you have rad T shirts. Everybody, if you want a rad T shirt, you should go check out Electronic Audio Experiments and oh, uh, thank pick you. yourself up a rad T shirt. Uh,
1: yeah, if you guys like oscilloscopes, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's my old Tektronix uh, four five three. It was one of the first uh, non vacuum tube oscilloscopes that wasn't crap. And uh, you can still find them on eBay for like 200 bucks. It's Here. it's huge. It's deceptively huge. Um, it's, like, it's like two feet long, uh, like behind the panel. I have <laughs> a challenge for
0: a- you. <laughs> All right. I have a challenge. I don't know who, what band would be the best band to have this necessarily. But if you took an oscilloscope and basically gutted it, but mm-hmm. turned it into a giant
1: pedal mm-hmm. that sat atop an amp... I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to do this. (laughs) The thing, I mean, the the thing weighs as as much as a a mid-power tube amp. It's it's really crazy. You actually, you can take an old TV, um, like a CRT TV, Mm -hmm. and uh, you can pick off the signal from your speaker jack, not from the amp itself, but actually like the power amp signal, and use that to drive the TV tube in parallel with your speakers. And uh, if you set up the deflectors right, um, you can get an oscilloscope display on a big CRT monitor uh, that pl- goes along with your guitar signal. Man, Not for the I don't of know heart, what though. you just said, but I- <laughs> 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 all
0: right, you guys, you guys, I you know, like the you dumbest know, guy in the room. Okay. Usually. You know, the
1: big, the big old, the big old TV yeah, monitors, no, I you got know, they got a, I got, got a tube got in them. Um, <laughs> you, you can use when your, you are talking about rocket
0: launchers and stuff. I
1: Oh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, they. I'm sorry. My, um, my grandfather was a, you know, he worked on, he did TV tubes, um, uh-huh. like the, you know, yeah, he worked at the Magnavox plant down in, uh, in Greenville, Tennessee where they made, uh, compactron tubes. And so I, I've learned a, a lot about that, That's uh, cool. you know, to try to figure out like he, he passed away before I got into engineering. Um, but it was. I was like, "Wow, this this is really cool." I wish I'd asked some more about it. So I've had to like find stuff secondhand and learn a lot about it. But it's uh, it is extremely interesting stuff. That's that neat. technology. That's neat. So you, you, while we're on that subject,
0: why don't we why don't we just kind of find out how you kind of got into this? Where did you kind of get the music bug?
1: Oh man! So I actually I started playing uh, classical violin when I was six years old. Um, six and. That was that was that's when you, you know, if you want a uh, a kid to get into classical music, uh, it's amazing how impressionable kids from like four to six are, especially by learning by ear. Um, I didn't learn how to read sheet music until I was in uh, middle school almost. Did um, you use the and,
3: Suzuki method?
1: Yeah. Yep. I was Suzuki. So my guys what uh, Yep. Yeah. That's what I it's, started it's, on awesome it's awesome i'm glad your kids are doing it because like i really think that that uh my life would not be the same if i hadn't done that mm-hmm. and uh i don't play violet as much as i used to i was i was really serious about it and kind of got burned out when i was like 18 um you know it was at the, po- at the time where it's like uh well you know i could either go to school for this or sort of let it take a backseat to my other stuff mm-hmm. and uh but so when i was about 12 or 13 i picked up the electric guitar um And, uh, I, I went over to my, my brother's bed. It was his birthday. And I strummed that guitar as loud as I could to wake him up because it was his (laughs) birthday present. And, uh, he played it for about a summer and then he kind of stopped caring about it. And so I, I started using it and, uh, it was, I was, I was enjoying it well enough. I played in like some crappy pop punk bands and stuff, but then, uh, I was in a band with this kid who had more money than sense. And he was always buying gear and leaving it places and he left this rack reverb in my basement where we practiced and I tried hooking my guitar up to it. And there was a preset on it. Preset number 43 called parking structure. I'll never forget. This was some weird old Digitech rack reverb. <laughs> and uh, I just cranked all the knobs up and played a chord. And I was like, what is going on? This is like nothing I've ever heard in my life. And, um, <laughs> parking the rest, the rest, the, <laughs> the that was the, it's the preset number 43 on the, I think the Digitech, uh, DSP 16, Um, and that thing sound that it's a crazy sounding priest. It's just, it's great. Um, and so that really kind of set me on a course. I, you know, later on when I was in high school, I worked, uh, as an intern at a place that made industrial joysticks, um, like PWM controllers and and hall effect sensors. And long story short, the trash can was a great place to get parts. And so I started building pedals with trash can parts when I was in high school, (laughs) um, because I was, I had been bit by that technical bug so bad. And, uh, you know, so then eventually, like I sort of, I was kind of known in the the music scene here in Boston as as a, a gear guy. And so when I started designing my own stuff for real, um, that you know people were were interested in it because they're like, oh well, this guy is so fed up with the current landscape of pedals that he's making his own stuff. Uh, he's got to be doing something interesting. <laughs> um, um, and so you know, like I, I had a couple close friends who I I, I relied on for feedback. Um, you know, just giving stuff to local recording engineers. Guys and bands who were touring more, and uh, you know that feedback really helped me shape what became the Longsword. Um, so that was that was a pedal that was informed by guys who play, uh, you know, punk, emo, hardcore um, stuff that comes you know comes out of here, like you know, young younger guys stuff, and uh, sort of capturing this set set of tones from uh, the early '90s to the mid 2000s, which uh, come from a huge variety of sources, but no one has really nailed down yet. I think in pedal form. Um, and then with those, it sort of just kind of snowballed from there. And suddenly I had to, you know, have a proper workshop in my house and not just be on like a folding table in the hallway. (laughs) Um, and it just kept growing from there. We did the model FET uh, a couple months after that. And then, um, oh, there was a lot of like custom work and one-offs and stuff. The dude incredible came out as a, uh, I was, I, it was going to be a limited edition pedal for the aluminum guitars group on Facebook. And that ended up getting because it would you know, see a beanie pedal. Like I'm a I, I love aluminum guitars. I'm a big shellac fan. I was like, yeah, let's just do this goofy one off pedal. And then I got 30 pre-orders for it in like a week. And I was like, what the heck wow. do I do with this? Um, because these guys were like, I've never I didn't know you could put the Intersound IVP in a pedal, And I can talk more about that later on. Um yeah. Because like I, you know, like I was we'll it's one of those things pedal
0: specifics each one of these on our on our table in deep.
1: It feels good to have an idea where you're like are you sure that someone else didn't come up with this first? Mm-hmm. You know, are you, are you sure? Cause that's when you, that's when you know you're, you're actually onto something. It's, it's a great feeling. It, it, it's so rare, but it's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, that's
0: cool. So we're, we're edging on going in, you know, deep into these, into these pedals, but I think sure. it sounds like, I mean, you were sort of destined to get into electronics and, and, and the like pretty early on.
1: I think so. I, I was I was definitely, uh, you know, I had my, my parents were very supportive of me taking things apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I uh, I was very, very involved in different engineering projects when I was younger. I actually went to undergrad for physics. I was I kind of went through this a bit more heady phase. And, um, you know, after I after I finished uh, undergrad, I, I was like, eh, I want to do something more hands on. Um, and so I'm working on a Ph.D. in uh, integrated nonlinear quantum optics <laughs> right now um holy moly which is uh ostensibly under the the electrical engineering department umbrella but is really more of applied physics and uh if anybody wants to email me to talk about what my thesis is on i'd be happy to i'm not going to turn this into (laughs) you know i'm not going to turn this into an episode of radio lab (laughs) um so basically you're going to make the most righteous wah pedal of Ever. Is that is that that's, weird? Too? That's the goal. <laughs> and and tangled photons are the secret to the Hendrix tone. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah I love you some tangled neutrons. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. So you 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 actually unlike a lot of people that um we interview about pedals and stuff, that they, they tend to kind of say, I had n- I had no idea. I'd never soldered anything before. I didn't know anything about circuits. I just started going, but y- you—you were—you had the tools and you had the the uh, the wherewithal to say, "I know how to put these things together." Like, kind of right out of the gate, it sounds like.
1: It's, it's, that's, it's both true and not true. I think, uh, you know, like I didn't do, I did my undergrad in physics. So it was all very heady, you know, math heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, when I ended up working my first job out of undergrad, I actually had, I actually came back to the place where I'd interned in high school, um, as a, like a quality control production engineer. And that was where I was like, Oh, I actually, you know, like you actually had to put stuff together. And then I came back to grad school and I'm working as a TA And for intro level electrical engineering courses um, and the even higher level stuff. And you have undergrads who don't know how to put a breadboard together because, uh, you know, they're what they're being conditioned to do is design stuff on a computer, simulate stuff, do a ton of math um, and then work as a big team of engineers where the senior people have the the hands on experience of building stuff and the lower level people are doing the dirty work. Um, And then eventually through on the job experience, you learn how to build stuff. Um, You learn how to work with your hands. Um, but it's really not something maybe in your like senior project or something. But that's what I have really noticed um, at a lot of schools is it's like a very there's so much you have to learn just to to work in this modern world of, of di- you know, analog, digital, mixed signal, power electronics, um, computer stuff that you can't really go too deep into any one thing. So I had taken a couple engineering courses for fun when I was working on my physics degree to make things even more confusing. Um, but when it actually came down to building a pedal or being like, well, how do I make... Uh, a pedal that you know does this thing that i saw in a textbook but also sounds good on guitar uh, is extremely difficult Um, and that's why people kind of rely on the tried and true wisdom of an existing design they'll say oh well you know uh, the cutoff frequencies in the ibanez tube screamer that make it so mid-heavy it turns out there's a reason they chose those Mm -hmm. um you know if you made a pedal that was like a tube screamer but it was uh flat across the frequency response which is what a traditional engineer would want you want it to be hi-fi and all that Sounds really bad. <laughs> it just sounds really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I know because I thought that would be a cool idea and I breadboarded it and it was terrible. Um, so there's a lot of things you have to learn by being a guitar player. So it's, that's sort of the that's the uh, you, you mentioned
0: breadboarding a couple times. times. Um, I know that plenty of people out there are, are going to say, I know what a breadboard is, dude. But tell <laughs> us what a breadboard is, will you?
1: So uh, a breadboard is a big grid with holes. Um, And the holes are connected electronically underneath and you can stick components in the holes to make a temporary circuit that you can use for prototyping. And it's great because you can hot swap the important stuff and then really get a feel uh, for what it's going to sound like before you solder it up permanently and box it up. And um, you you can desolder stuff, but it sucks. It's not fun.
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm sure probably some of you guys have seen out there where it looks like there is a, like mini, like cookie or waffle looking type structure with a bunch of wires and diodes and transistors and all kinds of stuff, like just sort of sloppily. It looks a little sloppy how it's all put in, but it's, you know, you see all the the, the pedal guts and it's all stuck on this little whiteboard. That's a breadboard. Um, that's what we're referencing right now for those of you who don't know, but.
1: Uh, if you want to see really pretty breadboards, uh, check out Jack DeVille's Instagram. Uh, he's he's the he is the most meticulous breadboarder I think in the history of mankind. It's crazy. Do you They're know what nice his handle at. is? I think it's just Jack Deville. Um, he's uh he he's the Mister Black guy. Uh, for those he sounds who like do, are listening at home, Jack Deville. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <I> <laughs> Anyways,
0: uh, excellent uh <laughs> I'm just, excellent gets me out of anything <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the uh pedals that you sent us um because absolutely I, I, we were all very very excited about them right now on our little table here we have the aforementioned long sword we have the um, also, aforementioned. I guess I can't use that twice, can I? You just have to use that once. That is the model uh, model FET. That's mm-hmm. F E T. Franklin. Fra- what's what's F? Frank- uh, Fo- Trot. Foxtrot. Yeah. Field effect transistor. Field Fox effect Trot transistor. Or Echo that. Tango. Mo- model FET. Yeah. The 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 uh, veteran here couldn't get to the mic fast
1: enough.
0: <laughs> uh, sorry, Jared. Uh, what are you gonna need? <laughs> And also we have the dude incredible pedal, which is pretty much that's that's apropos. Uh, we also have the beholder. Mm-hmm. which is weird. And you're going <laughs> to yes. tell us more about it. <laughs> yep. Beauty is in that the was, eye of the beholder. Yeah. I believe. That was like, we were like, yes, yes, ja, yes, ja, yes, ja, yes. Uh, so, yeah. That's that's a wild card. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but it definitely, I could a hundred percent see where it has its place. And that person that is going to look for that is just going to be like, Oh my gosh, this is the, this is the thing that I want. Exactly. <laughs> um so let's see um why don't we go i i want to start with a model fet first because that's that's the first one that i plugged in i think that's the first one that, does that that was so the 2nd one? Second one second I one I let's in. go with the model fet. all right tell us
1: all about it so that one um i uh i really everyone wants a sun model t uh if you like big uh like high wattage amplifiers but most people don't have three thousand dollars to spend on one if you can even find one Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to know what the hype was and I was like, oh, let's see if I can do one of those, um, like JFET style. The the JFET is a kind of transistor. Um, and people say they sound very tube-like. Um, I think that's generally true if you, if you treat them right and, uh, you know, buy them a little bit of dinner, approximate the Miller capacitance in a circuit simulator. Um, you know, uh, so I I breadboarded uh, a Model T preamp and I didn't like the sound of it. No, and no. then
0: before wait before you go any further, this, sure. this uh, give a little bit of uh, color commentary on the Sun Model T. That's S U N N, folks.
1: Yes. Okay. So the Model T is it shares a lot of DNA with the five F six basement. Um, you know that's that's the amp that really started it all. Um, you know that its descendants include the Plexi and the JMP and all that. Um, but it's, a it's, a it's like a JMP that has just a crazy amount of bass uh, and a lot more clean headroom than you're used to from a JMP, which is a pretty formidably loud amp as it is. Um, the model or the, the, the sun model T has, uh, a, you know, it's about 150 Watts power output. It'll, it'll flap your pant legs. Um, but it also has this very un, un- even unmistakable if you're skinny jeans. it'll do. Even if you're wearing skinny jeans, um, you know, I mean, it's an app that's so iconic that the, that a band named themselves after it. And that band is known for earth shatteringly loud volume. Right. Um, and so, you know, like I, I just I really wanted to know what the big deal was, and it's not like I could just go buy one. So mm-hmm. um, so I, I did this preamp and I was like, man, this thing sounds really limp. Uh it's just not good. Um, and so what I ended up adding to it on on my breadboard was uh the power amp. Um so there is a, a simulated uh phase splitter. So every high powered amp has a thing called a phase splitter in it. Um and that's job its job is to give a signal to pairs of tubes which work like a two-man saw um, to, to send that signal out into the, your speaker. Um, and the reason for that is, um, you know, in a two-man saw, each person is only pulling half the time. Um, and that's the idea behind a class AB amp is that each tube is only working on half the waveform. So one tube gets uh, the top half and the other tube gets the bottom half. Um, and you can do that. You can pair tubes up. So if you have four tubes, you can get even more power. Mm. Um and so, and it turns out that the phase splitter, the the part whose job it is to give the signals to the pairs of tubes, that clipping is so important for the sound of a lot of amps, especially when they're cranked up. Um, when you crank up an amp, what a lot of people consider to be power tube distortion um, is actually the phase inverter. So, if you add that to, uh, if you add that uh, to a tube preamp design then you get even more grind out of it. You get more range of gain out of it and you you get that sort of clean, dirty sound, which is something that, you know, that's, that's just how I want every amp to sound. It's great. Yeah. That's Um, how we
0: were kind of describing it. uh, When we were first talking to you, I, I kind of said, this makes me feel like I've got two amps. They're both mic'd that I'm running mm -hmm. through. One of which is just like blister. completely blasting awesome Mm -hmm. like pushed amp sound the other one is massive amount of headroom and with just a little bit of hair on it Mm -hmm. right yeah and essentially i was able to, to to sort of blend these two but hear them both clearly enough that's that's what I was kind of explaining uh, to Tony, and Tony. Yeah, see, you my mean?
2: my my experience was a little different. It could be we had it set set it a little differently, but yeah. Well, there are six it, knobs, so yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there <That's> are.
2: <laughs> but no, I I, th- I think the thing that I noticed was if you were playing like single notes or simple runs, mm-hmm. it was relatively clean. I mean, you, there was still mm-hmm. a little hair on it, but uh, if you pull played full chords. It you know it jumped into distortion mode. Yeah. So it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. So I. Well, had, that's
0: that's what I'm saying with like a, a dual sort of. It had two. It had two sounds in it. It didn't. Well, just, you said it very badly. I, I might. I probably did. <laughs> I probably <laughs> did. Mine, of course. It was It didn't homogenize precise. the sound. It didn't homogenize the sound just because mm-hmm. you had that selection. Right. Yeah.
2: It, it was not like individual notes were like. Right. Mmm. That's like and what I said before. The, uh, well, but
1: I said it better.
2: But um, so is that is that the product of the uh, of the FETs or the uh, or the
1: uh I would say it's tough because um, like, you know, uh, like JFET distortion, um, you know, like has that kind of round edge to it. But if you put if you if you push them too hard, they get this kind of like hash around like one to three K. Like it's sort of just like right in that earworm spot. Um, And so the trick is to if you cascade a bunch of them and you filter it and you sort of push uh, you don't push too many low frequencies into it. Um, then uh, you know, in between each stage, then sort of that the the, the little bits of harmonics build on each other with the, with every stage. Um, and that's sort of that's sort of uh, you know why it's 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 harmonically rich because every yeah. little piece is contributing to the whole rather than one stage that's just being clipped into oblivion.
2: Right. Right. No, that was a cool one. I enjoyed that pedal.
0: I'm uh, glad you guys like
2: it.
1: Yeah, yeah a lot. It's and pretty then, cool.
2: Let's see. What was the first one that I picked? I think. What's the? Uh,
0: That's the long
2: sword. Long sword.
3: The long,
0: sword. The long sword. So, what was the uh, genesis behind the name on
1: that one? Um, it cuts through the mix. Um, also, I really like D and D. That's basically <laughs> <laughs> no. <Sure. laughs> okay. Other than, other than that. Yep. Um you know the uh the EQ is inspired by the Ampeg V four. Um because you have uh oh, oh, James. time
0: out, time out, time out. Oh. let's um let's give uh the sort of one sentence what is in this what what does this box do?
1: Oh sure, sure. Um so the long sword is an op amp distortion. Um it's very much in the vein of uh the anything from the dod 250 to the full tone ocd to even buried deep somewhere in its shriveled black little heart the boss metal zone (laughs) um they all (laughs) they all share uh the same kind of idea which is you've got an op amp that's doing the heavy lifting and diodes that that clip the signal like we were talking about earlier um to get distortion um and op amps are beautiful there's a ton you can do with them and so uh the goal was to make a very versatile distortion box well done
0: that's uh well that's what it, that's what it did it felt more um uh i would say focused mm-hmm. um some might actually say and then m- maybe um limited but i don't think it's limited i think it's just more focused by limited totally. i just mean in comparison to these other two which have such a wide range of- oh yeah yeah tonality and distortion that you can get from um, from the other ones on the table. But that one felt like sort of like
1: this is a, this is, this is what this does. Yeah. Yeah. The EQ is kind of, it's like, it's almost a finishing EQ in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, you match it to your, your amp, you match it to the room you're in, you match it to your other guitar player your drummer and your bassist. Um, You know, because like the, it's sort of, it's always going to dish out that sort of it's tonality. Um, but it just those little cuts and boosts really make the difference in sure. you know sounding good. Um, especially if you're playing like a club gig or something where the sound is you know there's a sound guy, but it's cluttered, it's full of people. There's mm-hmm. a t- you know it's a tiny stage, all that. Uh, it really really makes a difference to have that control. Yeah, I that's a really good point because
0: I think some of these other ones like the the model fet and the dude incredible mm-hmm. have um the time that you spend to get those those very subtle cues on your tone where you're just like, just a little bit more, a little bit more, and they're like, ooh, there's a buried harmonic that I couldn't even hear before. Yeah, yeah. Like, th- that isn't bothered with to the degree on this one. The uh, longsword.
3: Longsword. <laughs> <the> <laughs> I <laughs> won today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent.
3: Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> so,
2: so in addition to the uh, the level and the drive and the low mid highs, there's two little micro switches. One says mm-hmm. frequency, and one says. Clip. We do
0: love a good toggle switch.
1: All right. So this the, is the guitar switches, you guys. Keep it in your pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's a, tell us about those. Um, so the the frequency toggle is tied to the mid control. Um, if it's going to the right, then the mid control is boosting and cutting at one k, um, and that's that's really great if you know you're if you're uh, you know you got a muddy guitar and you want to just like cut. Um, or if, uh, you know, your, your drummer is all over the place with the cymbals, and you want to get out (laughs) of, get out of his hair, then you can actually pull, uh, pull one K back and kind of give, give it, give that territory back either to the drummer, to the vocalist. Um, and if the switch is left, it's at 300 Hertz. Um, and if you crank it up, then it, it just takes you right into like steamroller territory. Um, it's great on bass. It's, uh, a little much on guitar though. I do like having the option. Um, but cutting 300 is a really, that's my favorite frequency. Like if you just have to notch something out to sound a little more clear, um, the notching out 300 sounds really, really nice. So that mid function really has like the mid knob and the frequency toggle together can really give you those four things, which is, you know, mid forward boost, uh, you know, uh, nasty boost, um, mud cutter, or like pull back out of the mix a little bit. Um, The clip toggle is for the clipping diodes, which is, you know, really like the op amp where the clipping diodes work together to give you that sound. Um, And it's going to adjust the kind of the compression and the feel of it. Um, And I I, the reason I left that one unmarked, because uh, that's a sound that you really kind of find your favorite one and set it and forget it and then just use, you know, ride, ride that. I don't want people obsessing over the diodes that are in there. I pick the ones that I really like. I think sound good and give you a wide range of options, but uh, if you're if you start obsessing over specific diodes, then uh, you've, you're missing the point of of playing the guitar. So it's uh, better to just you know pick the compression level you want and uh, have a good time.
2: As we often say, use your ears.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: So uh, if you do decide to build a kind of a, a range master kind of thing, you could call it the mud cutter since you I could. have named that now. Toggles are cool. The micro toggles. Yeah, that's the good <laughs> stuff. Anyways, um, I love that you put this in the context of a band because I think so often we get a pedal that we think we love and we and we play it and we sound amazing and then we get it and with, the, as you said, somebody's writing cymbals really hard or you get mm-hmm. um, a bass guy that uh, your frequencies just are not jiving with and then you're like, well, now what do I do? Yeah, it's rough. Because that's the pedal that I've been practicing with for weeks. I believe you flip the toggle to the left. <laughs> you flip the toggle <laughs> to the left. Yeah. Um or yeah. Do that. <laughs> Just do that. So uh, always. Yeah. Um, but but anyways, I do I do appreciate that because uh I, I think sometimes pedals we we love them, but they can be singularly voiced or mm-hmm. um singular purpose in nature and having something on your board that gives you that punch that you want but still you could you can really be versatile with as we're going to roll into the next one i think the dude incredible which has mm-hmm. gobs of versatility on it oh um, yeah i had a ton of fun playing with that and That's a good immediately Thank you. saw the uh, how useful this could be especially in a band setting
1: cool cool so um, tell us about yeah. it excellent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> excellent um sorry i wanted to make sure i uh, you know i want to hear everything you guys have to say because this is really it's, it's great great yeah. feedback um so the the dude incredible is a very blatant homage to shellac um that's it's they've been one of my favorite bands for a while uh, particularly after seeing them live i was like oh wow I, I get it now and now i'm kind of obsessed um where are they from and So, uh, shellac is a Chicago band, um, sort of, uh, like I would say the, one of the main figures in the like touch and go records, noise rock scene. Um, Steve Albini is their guitar player and their singer. Um, he runs electrical audio, which is a a pretty well-known studio. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he just has, he has an approach that I really, uh, sympathize with, you know, it's a very kind of, uh, elevated utilitarian approach which is like you know no bells and whistles but also do things really really well and precisely Mm -hmm. um and his guitar rig consists of this weird preamplifier called the intersound ivp um and that's the left side of the dude incredible it's got the original one is a full rack preamp i've got one uh here right next to me in my workshop um it's got two channels that are one clean one dirty it's got a huge eq um the two the bass and treble knobs that are on the pedal but also a four band parametric mid EQ. Um, and it's got this very interesting distortion circuit, which uses a transformer in it, um, which is pretty uncommon. Normally you don't see transformers in pedals um, except to generate like an octave when there's, there's techniques for that. But this is there um, just to, to, Basically, filter the signal in this really unique way um, where no matter where you set the pedal, it's never too harsh. Uh, And it also, if you give it too much bass, as I'm sure you guys probably notice, if you crank the bass knob, it starts to lose its mind. It's just very unique. Um, And so uh, that's like if you set that to mid gain, that's pretty close to like the shellac kind of dirty rhythm tone. Mm. And then if you want to take it over the top, the harmonic percolator, which is the more famous, uh, component of C Albini's rig, other than his, uh, Travis Bean 500. Um, the harmonic percolator is this very weird fuzz, um, that was made. I think it was from Wisconsin and there are a few really good clones of it on the market. Now, um, uh, as there should be because it's a it's a really great circuit um but i was like oh let's put both of them in one box and you can just have this you know get this one guy's sound but then after i made the thing i was like wow you could do so much with this you can do um more normal rock sounds you can run the whole gamut of different 90s tones and you can even do like doom metal or something with it if you wanted to um it just is you know stacking those two sides really gives a lot of options um so that was that was kind of the the motivation but i think the ivp is the real Uh, winner in that pedal um because it's just such a nice sounding preamp and my favorite thing about it um is that the eq is before the clipping element um so you're basically pushing you're choosing which frequencies get pushed into distortion sooner than others um so if you crank the treble uh high frequencies will distort more than low frequencies and if you crank the bass and low frequencies distort more than high frequencies oh interesting okay
0: cool
1: man so uh,
0: in my head, as you were trying to describe that sort of utilitarian-ish sound, but still with with kind of a bit of brute force, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was thinking uh, sort of drive like Jehu, Hot Snakes.
1: Is that? Yeah, oh, is abs- that absolutely, own? yeah. I actually, I wouldn't. I think one of them might have made a record at Electrical Audio, though. I don't keep tabs on every single uh you know band that does every single studio whatever but sure um you know like that's it's definitely in that kind of vein okay. you know yeah um shellac is a little more minimal in your face repetitive um than those than those bands but okay. definitely a similar thing check it out because i do
0: like the 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 ones that uh you know drive and, and the hot snakes I, are i'm fond of those bands so i i'll have to give shellac a listen definitely um, I uh, have anybody out there who's like, dude, how do you not know what shellac is? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: I try to keep up.
1: Um, Listen, there's a billion bands out there. <laughs> yeah, <they're>, they, <laughs> you know,
0: there are. Better uh, late than never, you know? But the idea that you actually created a pedal based on that sound is pretty impressive. And this is really an impressive pedal. It. Thank you. I think when you look at something and you say, I, I'm not sure if I use this to weld or to... <laughs> to it, it just ha- it has such a um like an industrial eskness to it uh with the, the i think the color and just it feels it just feel, it feels like a piece of machinery that i would per- hurt myself with if i tried to make something lots <laughs> well, if of files that- and blue and green red or you know bl- yeah uh, uh,
1: red and red and green lights and stuff um, the, uh, the original IVP has a very similar uh, scheme and uh, by my Zach, my you know, like right hand guy and uh, graphic designer did a really good job kind of capturing that essence with this pedal because um, we just, you know, like I just love the look of that so much. It's such an iconic piece of equipment. A lot of
0: industrial style equipment tends to have lots of strange badgings and mixed fonts all mm-hmm. over the place. You know, like, I don't know, let's make this italic over here for no reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just has that. I and mean, that that I'm, that is my background. So like, I, I geek out on that kind of stuff. So I, I really awesome. appreciated that. Um, totally. All right, now we have last <laughs> and certainly not least, but certainly least <laughs> understood by
1: us. <laughs> <laughs> beholder. Yeah, the beholder. Yep, yes. All right. Tell so us there's another beholder. <laughs> so that's another that's another DD monster for you. Um, the beholder is the one that's like a big mouth with a bunch of tentacly eyes and it lives underneath the earth and uh, will kill you if you come across it. Yes. Um, which is pretty fitting for um so this one actually has uh the the earliest version of what would become the beholder is actually older than the model fed Um the older the, the older. I, yep uh the I was I was um, sticking fuzz circuits in people's EHX Holy Grails um, as early as like 2014. <laughs> it just um, sounded really weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> <was> sticking fuzz <laughs> circuits in people's EHX holes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the, you know, the, the Holy Grail reverb, like the, the, big, the big box one. Oh, yeah. Um, that circuit board doesn't take up a lot of space in the enclosure. It's a great mod platform. And if you patch in a fuzz uh, before the mix pot, then you can get this like really nasty, dirty, fuzzed out reverb. Jeez, um, that sounds and cool. I had seen this there was this guy there was this uh, guy who had a really cool pedal blog and I don't think he's doing anything anymore but um, he had done this with a with a, a fuzz circuit and he was like this is a cool idea but I feel like someone could take this further and I was like sounds like a, a great thing for me to do Um and so I was messing around with this and eventually I was like oh well the the holy grail is ultimately not a satisfactory platform for me to do this um, so let me try to cook up my own reverb circuit um, and then by the time I cooked up a reverb circuit I was happy with. The fuzz I had been using was not doing the job. So then it was this endless back and forth. And I've been working on it on and off since probably 2015 or 2016. Um, and so it's finally, finally going to be seeing the light of day. We're releasing them um, at the end of the month. Uh, we've got the first batch going up and uh, there's a demo uh, by a bunch of pedals. He's a great, great YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he really knocked, he did it with synthesizers and drum machines and stuff to really show that it's just an all purpose mangler. Um So to actually get into what the pedal itself is, it's a, it's a reverb that's going into a fuzz. So you turn it on and, and, uh, you know, like all of the reflections of your reverb are just completely destroyed. (laughs) That is what it does. Um, it is a pedal for noise, for soundscaping, um, for that part at the end of the set where you want to just be as loud and obnoxious as possible. You know, that's, that's what it's for. Um, and it's not, I, I I'm absolutely positive that it's not for everybody. Um, but I, you know, this kind of represents my first foray into uh, non-distortion effects, um, even though it is itself very much a distortion effect. Um, but you know, as I I want to get into other things, which like I have a lot that I'm I'm I've been obsessing over trying to get out. This was the first thing that actually, uh, you know, met my criteria for what I wanted and uh, could actually get out there. Um, that's not a dirt box.
0: That's awesome. That's uh, uh. I mean, that's pretty much all the stuff you described was where, where we were sort of struggling to be like, uh, what? Yep. <laughs> I mean, look, it says beholder and then it says aberrant reverberator. Mm-hmm. So chances are you don't know what that is, everybody out <laughs> <up there. laughs> Which would give you a clue on what into. It you're looks like a,
1: into. a big thing of lightning. Is that lightning? Yeah. Like plasma? I don't know what that something. is. I, yeah. um,. So like my, my guy to Zach, he does, he does the, the fonts and the layouts and all that, um, you know, logos and everything. But, um, every once in a while for a graphic, we'll, we'll hire out another artist. Um, and so we hired, uh, another Boston based artist named, his name is Dylan Sylvester. Um, we played a band together too, um, that hasn't released anything yet, but nonetheless. Um, and he does these really cool sort of geometric and textural pieces, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so this is one, I think it actually was like plant cells or something that he, he messed up in Photoshop, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'm
2: going to say that it's the last <laughs> thing you see before the beholder kills you.
0: Right. Maybe also true. Yes. Probably also true. Um. Yeah. And then the, 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 your drone was really interesting. It wasn't very, it wasn't overt as I thought it was going to be. It's a very mm-hmm. subtle drone. So it's not something that you hit and you just be like, okay, he's up on that drone switch there yeah buddy. totally it's a it's a nice just additional texture to where like if you are if you are running uh like say you do it at a, at a lead area or mm-hmm. some sort of um bridge and a, a really nice way to transition out and you hold that drone down let your signal kind of die out that's that's cool
3: i wanted to add that that thank you the color purple uh, it's just gorgeous. I love that paint finish that you Oh, thank you. Did on
0: that pedal. It's just yeah, cool. That it's one uh, like there was a whole bunch of scientists and then CC DeVille
1: showed up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We uh, so uh we got our enclosures done um at Disaster Area Designs and uh i had been going back and forth we were dry, trying to pick between two powder coat colors and uh their print guy was like, "Oh, you wanted to just do a fade?" And I was like, I, I didn't even know that was possible. Um I have a very rudimentary knowledge of powder coating. So this is a surprise to me. And, uh, you know, he sent me a photo of the test proof and I was like, yes, we have to do that. So the first, uh, 30 that we're building have that finish, which I just love. It's crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll pick, we'll do something a little bit less, uh, labor intensive for future ones, but I just love that fade and I wanted to do it. Well, and for
0: the super nerds out there, um, this actual enclosure is, is kind of unique. It's one of the more unique ones that I've seen because I mean, it does end up looking like it's anodized almost, I, I, although obviously it's not. But um, mm-hmm. the corners uh, on the base plate, it, the rest of the box has rounded edges, but the corners on the base plate are squared off with a little lip on it. It's it's just kind of a nice, I see, There's the kind of stuff that I like, I pay attention to, whatever. But it's like, oh, look at that. There's those little things right there. It's kind of totally. nice. I like it. I like it good stuff um thank you that that must have been a hard one i think on some levels to actually say okay it's done because of the subtleties that this um that this sort of hangs on Mm -hmm. um it it almost kind of sits back It, it doesn't really pronounce itself um at least, at least the way I was playing with it, it almost sounds like you're hearing it in a down a hall or in a box or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the reverb, the reverb part of the circuit is is kind of pinned at a high mix. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to force you to play with the reflections and the overtones rather right. than saying, okay, I'm playing guitar and it's like, I'm in a cave. It's like, no, you are the, you are the cave now. Um, yeah. And, the, and, <laughs> the, the, ca- and the cave is, the cave is eating you alive. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: anyhow. Yeah. So, Hey, everybody needs to go check out the electronic audio experiments website. Um. And, right now. Um, yeah. Right and now. and, and I, it's fair to say, I mean, these are, these these pedals are sort of limited run pedals. I don't mean you're never going to do them, but it's not like there's a huge abundance of them out there, right?
1: This is true. We are, we are a little, uh, you know, like I'm, since I'm still in school, um, you know, and I've got only like a, a couple guys helping me out. It is slow for us to build. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put a lot of time into these. Everything is, you know, very painstakingly done. So uh, I appreciate people being patient between new batches. Cause uh, you know, we love getting stuff out there, but it's uh you know, things do definitely take some time.
0: Right. And I think it's, e- it's really easy, especially if you're, you know, messing around on reverb to kind of, sometimes we put a gauge on whether a pedal is good by how many we see. And, and if we see too many of them, yeah, maybe it's not so good. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but if you don't see any, you're like, Oh, maybe that wasn't good enough. It's, it's something that we kind of do as as humans, whether it's something at the grocery store or, or at Reverb, but mm-hmm. I can assure you, peoples out there, you probably won't see a whole lot of these um, out there in the used market, because people who have them, I think, tend to keep them, and you didn't make a ton of them. So, if you do see one, grab it. Yes. Grab it. So, Jared. It is time for would you
3: rather all right all right this week's would you rather so you walk into your local guitar repair shop Mm -hmm. and a customer bailed on a gibson les paul standard retop uh he must have ran out of money for whatever reason so your your buddy there at the shop says hey you have an opportunity to buy this for super cheap, ooh! And the top on it is a fairly—it's a fairly good uh, figure on the top. It's, it's a, a two-piece medium. Top. Yeah, it's a medium. It's like you could go either way on either a a burst or are you going to get a gold top? Ooh, have it
1: painted have gold it, or a burst? I'm going to go gold, hands down. That's that's classy. Uh, and if I really don't like it, then I'll paint it black on top of that and pretend to be Neil Young. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Secret option C. That's... Uh, you I like uh, it. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> that's I, beautiful. I love that. That's that's actually my my jag bastard that I'm kind of building has got that same kind of thing going on. Right. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Antoine? Yeah.
2: Well, I'm guessing if it doesn't have a lot of flame... Which it doesn't sound like it does. Um, it's half. Fl- it's a. Ha- it's, it's. It's still not, not bad, enough.
0: <laughs> I want. I want me some flame. But look, look those old. Those older ones weren't like all mega flamed out either. Many of them were. Yeah, I mean, I mean, late fifties. Yeah. They not, had no idea like what PRS they were. like style like right now, yeah. like Custom Shop, like where they're like quadruple it, billion A right, flame. Right. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Make, do what you want. <laughs> like the weird ribbon. Looking Look, this flame. isn't a flame podcast. Thank goodness.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> there was the photo flame that Fender yes, had rolled out a long time
0: many ago. many tried that.
2: Yes. It doesn't work. It's um, rough. I'm, you know, since it's not super flamey, I'm going with a gold top. All right. But I would like, I, you know, I, what I love about gold tops is when the clear breaks off and they start to turn green. Yes. Yeah, I love that look. Mm. Yes, yep. yeah, it
0: is good. Jared, well,
3: I had a 1971 uh, Gibson Deluxe, which and it had a gold top finish on it, and it it had that green oxidationy look going on. So, uh, yeah, if if I was in this situation, I'm gonna go gold. I'm totally going to go gold because, you know, if when I'm 75, 80 years old, I want to see if that gold uh, does the same thing that my 71 did.
0: Hmm, Interesting. Of
3: course. We're all of a mind here.
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm going gold as well because I really do love gold-colored things. Um, but <laughs> I want to go, I kind of want to make it Bronson-esque a little bit, and I'm going to go black back. Mm. Okay. I mean, while he's painting it, I'm just gonna say black back gold top. Why not? Right? Different of course you could like always
2: it. could always pay him more to re-top it with anyways
0: some foray. No, <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want it. I don't like it. Okay. Um wee, doggies. There's some good stuff here. Great. Podcast. I feel like I learned a whole lot. My head almost exploded a few times. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um I, I made it out alive. I hope you everybody listening are uh enlightened with these awesome pedals that uh our friend john here made by hand handmade by handmade hand. for now
1: where can they go to see your wares uh electronic audio uh or instagram at electronic audio experiments um not too hard to find and uh I, I like instagram a lot so uh pretty easy to reach me there i also like email a lot um and if, if anyone is confused or curious about the nerd stuff, then, uh, please get in touch because, uh, I, I really enjoy talking about this stuff.
0: Often. You're really good at it too, by the way. Yeah. yeah I can would trust you with, with machinery. <laughs> <laughs> and I science. have approximate knowledge of many things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, let's see, uh, Tony. I am. Where, where, can I'm going to go with yourself? the Gold. Yes. Oh, good, good man. Where, where can they find your stuff?
2: Oh, they can go to pickguardian.com. dot com. Excellent. If you need a nice, really nice mm-hmm. custom pickguard, yes, to go with your gold top, to go with your
0: gold top, yeah, you come and see me. Awesome. I know a guy. Good. They can make it. Or you can go onto the social media. Social media. All the social media. <laughs> all the
3: all of them. Good, Jared. Okay. If you need a pickup repaired or you need a whole nice new set of pickups, mm-hmm. uh, Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at com or com, And my email is on my website. Perfect. Please
0: visit me. Perfect. And then we want to say a massive thank you to our friends, our patrons, our patrons on Patreon, Tony.
2: Oh, is that my cue?
0: That is your cue. So let's <laughs> just say that you really enjoy
2: this podcast. I really enjoy yeah. this podcast. Okay, Todd does. Um, go over to patreon.com. Okay. Forward slash the guitar the knobs. Guitar knobs. Mm-hmm. And there you will find several different levels that you can participate in. Uh, ranging from... 1, 5, 10, and 20. There you go. Yep. And at the $20 level, those become our executive producers. Nope. No. That's a $10 level. <laughs> Holy Look, moly. I just, I just discounted everything. All right. Everything's half price today. Yeah. <laughs> so go. let's just say you want to become an executive producer. Yep. You know, you get a ten nice a prize package. 10 bucks. a what's month. What's on the list, Tony? Jared, what's what's one of the biggest benefits? Well, you get your
3: name right on the thing.
0: Yeah. And realistically, you do get a t-shirt. You get a uh, uh, barefoot button With our logo on it, and you get an awesome sticker pack from all kinds of guests that have been on the show, and you get your name read on the thing. Nicely.
2: So, without further ado. Yes. I'm going to read our executive producer list. Thank you. Let's start with Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, David Wolfson, Matt Brammer, Carlos Mancha, Pete Marshall, Derek Fitzer, Robin Smith, John Daly, Oliver Gonzalez. Sean, S- Chris Kearney, <laughs> John Anglin, Robert Marfleet, Alex
0: Leggett, Darren Gregory, Gary Goodman, and, and son, and Beckett, and his son Beckett. He gets he gets in by default. Yep. Oh, Beckett. That's right. I forgot about Beckett. There he is. And let's not forget Zach J Wright. That's right, Zach J Wright. Uh, hey everybody, we are just. Super happy you join us. Thank you. um, Thank you for listening. We look forward to next week when we get to do this again. And we appreciate all your support. If you have anything to share with us, your rigs, your pedals, your guitars, um, a cool Guitar Knobs t-shirt that you bought that are you wearing somewhere, whatever it may be, share it with us um, wherever we are. We We comment and answer. Yes. We appreciate you. Have an awesome guitar week. Subscribe! Yeah. Yeah. Approximate the Miller capacitance in a circuit simulator. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs.